Good morning, Mr. Hurley. How are you, sir? Very good, Mr. Mayor. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on here. You're involved in an organization, Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse, Tort Reform. Could you explain, first of all, let's find out who, who are you and what are you all about, sir? Sure. I'm Bill Hurley. I'm the Executive Director for the National Federation of Independent Business in Florida. Uh, so I'm up in Tallahassee. Uh, keeping an eye on the Florida legislature, uh, advocating for small business owners. And as an organization, we're working with Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse to try to put a fine point on the economic costs of our litigation system and how it's affecting us coming out of this COVID economy and some things that the legislature could do to make things better for everyone. Well, certainly. I'd like to hear all about this. First of all, thank you for being a watchdog for small businesses by myself like myself i've owned my own business my entire life as i do this broadcast and there's lots of little businesses by the way isn't it true that 64 percent of all americans work are employed by small businesses well you know it's it's all how you define it uh, the government tends to use a number of employees uh, but the national federation of independent business defines it right in our name uh, we represent independently owned businesses. Now, they can be large. They can be small. They tend to be your folks on Main Street, but the biggest distinguishing factor is they're independently owned. They're not publicly traded, so they're built into the community. They care about the community, and they're there to stay. Uh, those are the people we represent. Well, I sure hope we're here to stay. We certainly need advocates like yourself. Uh, by the way, again, your organization's uh, website is... Oh, we're easy to find. Just punch in NFIB uh, on any browser, and we'll come right up. You can go to NFIB.com, and uh, uh, small business owners will find that a great resource uh, to inform them and engage them in what's affecting them at the federal uh, and state level uh, across the nation. Okay, well, we've all heard about frivolous lawsuits, and I guess that falls under this tort thing. Would you explain what tort reform is, please, Mr. Hurley? Sure. Uh, you know, the, the tort system is essential uh, to our economy, uh, to our governance, to the fairness in our society. Uh, it is where disputes are resolved, uh, and as business owners, uh, that engage with the public, that open their doors to the public, uh, they expose themselves more than the typical American uh, to litigation, uh, to being charged with causing some harm or injury either to another business or to a consumer or a customer or just uh, a vendor and sometimes even an unwelcome trespasser. Uh, businesses defend themselves through in this uh, largely through prudence, uh, good management, keeping a safe workplace, uh, but when that doesn't suffice, uh, they depend on uh, the insurance industry to back them up. That presents uh, an enormous cost uh, to business and ultimately is driven into the cost of goods and services that every Floridian pays for. Uh, we, we announced a study earlier this year putting a fine point on this uh, ask some economists to get out their pencils and calculate what is the cost that every Floridian, man, woman, and child, uh, pay in greater costs for all their goods and services 
just because of the litigation system. And that figure turns out to be $719 a year for every man, woman, and child in Florida. And higher prices they pay uh, for products, services, uh, food, essentials of life. And, you know, with a clear, uh, uh, steady eye, we're asking the legislature, let's, let's take a serious look at this uh, friction in our economy, this friction in our daily lives that, that drives up our costs. And what is, there, wh- what is it we can do to try to reduce that friction and uh, make essential goods and services more available to, to everyone? You know, we're hearing real loud and clear from small business owners what the challenges are right now. And there are two things, and they are related. Uh, there's a tremendous uh, uh, labor shortage, or you know, some people call it more generously a, a labor shift. Uh, they're staying away in droves from job openings in this economy. And we can come back to that. Uh, everyone it, it sees this in their in their daily lives. Uh, and the other is our supply chain, uh, the the empty shelves. Uh, why products you typically could depend on, uh, uh, from cat food to toilet paper, or services that you depend on, uh, uh, getting dry cleaning, getting a seat, uh, getting a table for for, for lunch, uh, are are more difficult these days. Are all workforce and supply chain related? Uh, there's there's a connection to tort reform in these stresses in the economy. Let's take a look at the supply chain or why those products aren't on the shelves. Well, when you look at you know the the the, the very complex uh, you know just in time uh, business economy we have where we're used to getting the products and services right when we need them, right where we want them. It's a very intricate system. You take a look at that today, and there are stresses at every link. But the most severe stress is on the trucking sector. Uh, yes, our ports uh, and, and NFIB uh, has just finished some dialogue uh, with the ports of Florida. Uh, uh, we are in better shape than the West Coast where people have been seeing pictures of freighters, uh, uh, container ships lined out at sea as far as the eye can see waiting to come into port and be unloaded. Uh, the East Coast and Florida in particular ports are, are keeping pace a little bit better. Uh, but they're just products on ships until truck, trucks and truck drivers show up, uh, to distribute those goods. That's the, the real critical link in Florida, why goods aren't getting to the shelves. Uh, and, you know, a, a, a huge inhibitor in that is not just that truck drivers are hard uh, to hire, and they are skilled workers. They do have to be licensed. You do have to train them and get them out there delivering goods and services. But it's the unbelievable insurance costs that go behind putting a driver behind a truck on our highways. Uh, everything in trucking is, is in the end, uh, calculated on a per-mile basis. What is the cost to deliver that good uh, X number of miles to where the consumer wants it? Well, many people wouldn't believe this at first blush, but a, a trucking company pays far more per mile to insure a truck than they pay that driver for driving that truck. When you see a truck going down the road, as a rule of thumb, you can probably count on that, that somebody is paying well over 30 cents a mile, 30 cents per mile, just to 
insure that truck. Now, I'm not oh, many drivers we have listening ridiculous. out there, but not many of them are paid uh, over 30 cents a mile. And if we all just recognize the tremendous cost of that uh, to the end consumer and to the truck driver, if we didn't have to spend so much money just feeding the litigation industry, we could offer higher wages to truck drivers. Now, trust me, I can line up data all day long showing that the small business sector up and down the line, including trucking companies, excuse me, are increasing their wages as rapidly as the market can possibly tolerate. Now, there is a lot of market flexibility now, so wages are increasing. We're doing everything we can to get these people back to work and attract more people. But still, if we could reduce that cost of 33 cents a mile and invest some of that in the workforce, maybe we could alleviate uh, the stresses in the supply chain and get the products that people want uh, where they want them, when they want them. There well, was Mr. A, Hurley. Just go ahead. The fear of the common working men, such as myself, private business owner, entrepreneur, is that the insurance company has their hand in the back pocket of, it seems like, almost every politician. How do you persuade people they're not going to vote against someone who's financing their campaigns? And, uh, you know, it's it's just ridiculous. Even for the private home, recently our insurance went up, what, it was $1,000 a month. I think for flood insurance in Indian River County, you've got businesses that was costing us, you know, ridiculous amounts of money for the insurance for our employees. Um, it just it just seems never ending with the insurance companies and these fat cats are have their hands in the back pocket of our politicians. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a, this huge stumbling block. How do you, as our advocate for the small business person, Mr. Hurley, how do you get around that? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to talk to you uh, as a person that's been in the, your state capitol uh, advocating for small business for over 30 years. I, I, I ain't a fat cat. I might be fat, but I ain't a fat cat. But I do see fat cats, and they're in the capitol. And, yes, there are very moneyed interests uh, in your state capitol. And you know what? You can complain about it, or you can step up to the plate and equal those people with your voice. That's why organizations like NFIB exist. Uh, we have close to 10,000 members in Florida, and our strength is, you know, sure, we engage in politics, direct politics, and do those things, but our real strength is in the voice of our members. And, you know, my gosh, we have all the technology we need to let a small business owner know exactly when a vote is being taken on an issue that affects their business. And if they uh, take the uh, uh, action to pipe up and send an email or make a phone call to their legislator, I'll tell you, uh, there's nothing in my uh, decades of experience that tells me that that doesn't make more of a difference than a fat cat walking around uh, handing out political contributions. But I will say this, uh, you know, NFIB does not represent any insurance companies. As I said, you know, almost all of them are publicly traded companies, so we represent only independently owned uh, small businesses. But we do recognize that, you know, they're an essential part of commerce. A business owner can't go out and do what, what they're passionate about if they've got to spend all day protecting themselves against potential lawsuits. The the insurance industry is essential. And do they have a voice in Tallahassee? Uh, Yes, but generally uh, their market does better when prices are stable, okay? We we couldn't agree more. 
and when their product is plentiful. Uh, well, we couldn't agree more with that. So where is the real force that drives uh, litigation in this state? Well, we'll place that squarely on the plaintiff, uh, the plaintiff's litigation industry. And I describe it as an industry. They Sure, they can call themselves, you know, they can wrap themselves in the nobility of, you know, we're officers of the court and we're members of the bar. Well, fine, so you are, but all I see is billboards and all I see are people that are trying to, you know, to, to cripple uh, a lot of well-meaning, uh, well-intended small businesses out there. So when we face issues in the state capital where NFIB has determined that there's there's an issue worth fighting for here, generally we find our opposition in the uh, in the trial lawyers in the trial bar, uh, and we're trying to you know put a fine point on what those ultimate costs are. Sure, uh, we pay the money through insurance rates. Uh, could they improve? Uh, could we have, you know, a closer regulatory eye cast over the insurance industry? Well, there is, and we hold them accountable. We call him the insurance commissioner. Uh, but beyond that, you know, they have the same problem that we do in that in representing us, you know, they get dragged into court uh, for some enormous damages. I want to go back to the trucking example I was suggesting just to give you a sense of scale. How do we get to the, the point of, of uh, the, the burdensome insurance rates uh, of upwards of over 30 cents per mile for every product that's delivered on a truck. Uh, we get there by uh, outsized uh, uh, jury awards. And within the last couple months, there was a, uh, a lawsuit that was uh, uh, wrapped up in Northeast Florida uh, that involved, uh, it sure did involve a fatality, uh, on the highways uh, uh, involving a truck, uh, two trucking companies, as a matter of fact. And, uh, and the award was $1 billion. $1 billion. Not $1 million, $1 billion. Over $900 million of that uh, was punitive damages, where it was the intent of the court and the jury uh, to punish that business. Now, I'm not going to argue the facts of the case. The facts are uh, that you know the, the court determined that the, comp, the the trucking company was was negligent. But I really must ask you, you know, at what point do we begin to ask that difficult question? You know, at what price? At what price? You know, equate, uh, equates or or reconciles uh, the tragic loss of a life? Is it that amount of money that really is unsustainable? Uh, in an industry that we depend on for uh, multiple times every day to deliver our products and services? Well, we're at least ready to ask those questions. And knowing that, you know, our economy is at such a critical point where there's so much growth possible, if only we can keep things literally in gear, maybe we ought to start asking some of those questions, whether awards like that uh, are, are the right thing to do in our society. Well, you know, it's like for, since 2016, property taxes have gone up 30%. Businesses can't handle the cost. It's ironic, a little aside here, it's kind of ironic that you and I are talking. My dad was an attorney at law, graduated Syracuse, and he was killed by a lumber truck when he was 30 years of age, already had a, a very successful practice, 30 or 31, I forget, 1958, was killed by a lumber truck that lost its brakes. 
my brother and I never got a dime because the truck trucking company, which worked for the U.S. Uh, paper company, didn't even didn't have um, insurance at the time. They were they were hired by the U.S. Uh, uh, paper company. It's it's funny how the pen, it's odd how I shouldn't say funny. Ha ha ha! It's not funny, but it's it's odd how the um, we go from one extreme to the other. Here are these two boys left without their father, and. And now you've got somebody, uh, you know, uh, ridiculously uh, wanting to uh, to make an example of some trucking company by offering them a billion dollars. And this is why the small business person can't afford to pay. We can't afford to pay our taxes. When will reason prevail in our society again, Mr. Healy? Well, I'm, I'm so sorry for your tragedy, and I'm sure that endures every day in your life. And, you know, tragically, these things, you know, do happen in this world, and we do need it. You know, we do need a system system to uh, redress those wrongs. When people do, you know, we're we're pretty uh, passionate about trying to improve the tort system in Florida. But some critics will look at us and say, "Well, you just want to, you know, do away with the ability for people to have access to the courts." Uh, well, quite to the contrary, we absolutely depend on that. We depend on it for commerce. Uh, we think that a lot of the more fruitless or overreaching lawsuits have the end result of clogging up our courts and, you know, making it difficult for the courts to uh, give the full examination and time they need to, uh, to to the, you know, valid and important cases out there. Yeah, legitimate. Uh, you know, we're looking... We're looking at uh, one piece of legislation, and legislatures looked at it for a number of years. It's usually known by the bad faith reform. Uh, you know, you can you can kind of consider it the the foot draggers penalty. You know, uh, just what people might expect in a lawsuit. You know, there's a big injury, and before you know it, law firms are involved, and insurance companies are involved. And someone's going to start dragging their feet. Well, it's meant to be a penalty to make sure everyone's working in bad faith. The problem with the law is that it only penalizes uh, the the defendant, or that. So, if the business owner, or through his insurance company, uh, can be accused by the plaintiff or the injured party of dragging their feet, uh, there are no holds barred, and then they can access. Uh, treble damages, which really tends to inflate uh, these cases. Now I ask you, if you have two parties in the dispute and only one can get penalized for not uh, uh, negotiating in good faith or dragging their feet, what's going to happen? Uh, it's funny how what happens. You know, the other side suddenly tries to uh, slow down the whole process and create a situation where that other party can be accused of dragging their feet. And when they do, they know that they have punched through that ceiling and can go for treble damages, uh, which can really escalate the costs. And by the way, those are uninsurable losses. You know, when a business is looking at protecting themselves, you can buy insurance that say, you know, we'll protect you for a million, you know, a million dollar lawsuit. But if they go through and assert bad faith and can accuse you of that, then they can hit, you know, additional damages uh, that frankly aren't insurable. Those are door-closing events uh, for businesses. Uh, so there are things that the legislature uh, can do. We have seen them receptive to doing important work, 
uh, while I have anyone listening online here, I, I, I've got to commend uh, the governor and the Speaker of the House, uh, Chris Browse, and, and the, the President of the Senate, uh, Simpson, for passing a very important and timely uh, lawsuit protection from COVID-related uh, lawsuits. Uh, that was really important for businesses to get back to work uh, with all the kind of you know adaptations they've had to make to uh, conduct their business according to uh, standard you know generally accepted public health standards, and that's exactly what the law says. It says that if a business is making a good faith effort uh, to substantially follow uh, public public health standards, uh, then mm-hmm. they have immunity. Uh, they have absolute protection from lawsuits that might assert that, you know, something they did at their business caused somebody to have uh, to contract COVID. Uh, boy, was that important. And let me tell you, you know, the, the trial bar did not make it easy uh, on legislators trying to pass this common sense legislation. Uh, but thank goodness common sense prevailed and uh, it was passed uh, in the law with uh, the governor's uh, leadership and signed into law and businesses know that they can, you know, look to a very, you know, all, almost all business operations are changing as we come out of COVID. Uh, that means you're not always doing things the way you always used to. When you, when you make those changes in the back of the head of every small business owner is, is this presenting me with a, a new liability? Uh, that, that's a good thought to have. They need to be thinking in those ways. Uh, but now when they think those things, they can rest assured that, you know, the state has their back. Uh, the state has asked an awful lot of small business owners to, you know, get their doors back open. The nice thing to know is that, you know, they're they're backing us up on that. So it's not all uh, uh, pessimistic in, in the possibility for the legislature to uh, take significant action on this. They, they certainly did last year. Well, let me ask you this: You're in the center of uh, you're in the center of all the action up there in Tallahassee. I recently walked into a Cracker Barrel, and they said they couldn't seat us for an hour. Uh, there were only five people eating in the restaurant, and the lady said, "Because there's only two employees, the rest walked out." Walked into a uh, a dollar store the other day, and uh, uh, the lady said, uh, "We have to close extra early. We can't get people to work." We have all these ships that are on the coasts of California, et cetera, that uh, they can't seem to get the men. Where are all these people that need to make a living? I don't understand mm-hmm. what happened to all the people that have to go out to feed their families. Do you have any mm-hmm. idea? It just seems like well, it's just crazy to the well, average fair. guy like me. What's going on? Listen, everyone is seeing this. Not, you know, the business owners are living it in that they, you know, they're having. Uh, the greatest difficulty staffing and and that goes whether you, you know up and down the line from entry level jobs uh you know up to rocket scientists everyone is having a experiencing a labor shortage and you know we're very uh, uh proud that our governor Ron DeSantis has uh, uh very much uh taken every step he could uh, to keep Florida as open as possible at every step along the way. Uh, that's why uh, we applauded him when he uh, took a pass on accepting uh, the federal unemployment uh, supplemental benefits, uh, recognizing it as a disincentive 
uh, for people returning to the workplace. Uh, as some of your, as you may be aware, uh, some labor unions have challenged the governor in court, uh, trying to compel him to still yet take those dollars, uh, which in most states have already expired, but in their uh, novel resolution, they're uh, recommending to the courts it would compel the governor to take that federal money and distribute it yet still whenever, you know, starting, I presume, whenever a court issue, court, court opinion may be issued. Uh, the governor, of course, is defending himself in that case, and I'm very proud to say that the uh, National Federation of Independent Business has joined him uh, in that, uh, in defense of that, uh, in defense of his actions in front of the courts, and we'll see how that comes out. Uh, don't really have a clear picture when the court may issue an opinion, but if it should go adverse to the governor's uh, interests, uh, we'll have another whole round of suppressing effect on people returning uh, to work in this state, uh, which, again, every consumer is beginning to see whether you're just going out trying to take the family out to dinner or whether you're trying to get you know critical subcomponents for a manufacturing process. Uh, sure, it's it's let's, all a lot of stress on the economy. Well, well, back to tort reform. Uh, you know, uh, you know, every year the uh, CALA, the, uh, of course, for mm-hmm. the um, uh, Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse uh, report uh, an estimate of what consumers pay in court court fees uh, for court tax, actually, a tort tax. Excuse me, and uh, they're saying that each Floridian pays about two hundred and fifty dollars a year. That's an extra thousand dollars a year coming from every family, and every family of four in in, in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just outrageous. Uh, tort reforms. A lot of people are busy living their lives, and they're not. You know, that's why important conversations like this. For, uh, for regular working folks to listen to and participate in. What can my listeners right now do to help you and your organization? Well, you know, the first thing they can do is go out and support their local small business. Uh, you know, consumers are eager right now. Uh, consumers are feeling, you know, in a position where they can uh, spend money. And, uh, you know, the first thing they can do is make sure those dollars stay with local small businesses. We love it. Uh, you know, every, uh, every year, uh, uh, in November, we, we celebrate Small Business Saturday where we, for just one day a year, we, uh, there goes out a national message to shop small and shop local. Well, I tell you, coming out of COVID, every day needs to be Small Business Saturday. And that's the first thing anyone can do. Uh, but for small business owners themselves, uh, who sometimes get frustrated, uh, you know, they, they're doing something they love, uh, uh, they love their customers, love staying in business, uh, love their employees, uh, what they gotta do is just set time aside, uh, in their busy schedule to, uh, tune in and dial into, you know, not just the headlines blaring from the news channels, but dig into, uh, some deeper resources, organizations like the NFIB, where in just a, a quick website visit, they can become informed about what it, you know, exactly what and where the legislation is affecting them, uh, both in their nation's capital and in their state capital, and then just engage. 
if something said, if they say to themselves, well, boy, this, I, I see this idea, but if it, it passes, you know, this is how it's going to affect my business. If we, if they would just explain that to their state legislator or their member of Congress, uh, boy, does it make a difference. You know, in, in and again, the, what is uh, the NFIB? The National Federation of Independent Business, where the nation's uh, largest and oldest small business advocacy group. So we field advocates in your nation's capital and in every state capital, uh, and we tend to work on uh, issues that affect uh, you know all small businesses because our membership is is very diverse. Uh, so we uh, uh, speak up for the small business owners' opinions on uh, matters of taxation, uh, regulation, insurance, and, of course, uh, uh, our judicial system and uh, lawsuit abuse. Uh, it's the one site where small business owners can go to get the, the, the quick down and dirty on what's happening in their uh, nation's capital and state capital affecting small business and click there to take action. We can directly connect uh, small business owners on on the issues that interest them, uh, with the legislators that are voting on it, when they're voting, you know, right before they're voting on it. Uh, we did just have a, a a conversation with a member of Congress uh, and about five small business owners who live in this congresswoman's district, uh, and as it turns out, she's a very critical vote uh, on the uh, infrastructure uh, package moving through uh, Washington. That is. Uh, scheduled to come up for a vote this Thursday. NFIB is uh, speaking up on that issue, uh, highlighting that there are some uh, very uh, uh, sweeping changes ahead for small business owners, uh, should it pass as is, that involve issues of uh, paid family leave and mandatory uh, retirement plans for small businesses, as well as a, uh, in, a tax rate increase. Uh, so, you know, we serve as a conduit uh, to connect small business owners directly with their uh, members of Congress and state legislators, uh, zeroing in on the issues that uh, they know will affect them as the votes are, are, are being considered. Uh, we'll, we have yet to see how this is all going to uh, shake out in Washington, but uh, you can rest assured that uh, NFIB is spreading out through our network uh, of small business owners uh, various elements so they can judge for themselves uh, how it's going to affect their uh, ability to thrive in, in over the next year. Well, Mr. Bill Hurley, thank you very much for being a watchdog. Executive Director of NFIB, folks, National Federation of Independent Businesses. National Federation of Independent Businesses. Bill Hurley, uh, I want to thank you very much for spending time with us and just let you know you have an open door here. Uh, you are our advocate, and we are your advocate, and my show is available to you anytime, okay? Thank you so much, Rat. Yeah, I hope. Is there anything else that we've been remiss in discussing that you would like to say before we say goodbye today, sir? Thanks for, have, uh, thanks for having us today, and uh, we, we hope that uh, uh, you keep a close eye, help us keep a close eye on Washington and Tallahassee. Thanks. Please, please, and thank you very much, sir. Bill Hurley. Okay, Executive Director of NFIB, National Federation of Independent Businesses. This is the mayor of the airwaves. Who loves you, baby? <laughs>